Welcome to Let's Go GHO podcast. This is Ron Brown, the Associate Director of GHO, and I have the joy today of being with my boss and dear friend, Dr. Trish Burgess, the GHO Director. And today we'd like to bring you an update on some of the things happening, as it were, behind the curtain with COVID-19 and how it's been affecting GHO the last weeks and months. Dr. Trish, are we having any fun yet? (laughs) We're learning to manage crises well is what we're doing so far. I'll start with the beginning of it. So early on, like early in February, if you'll remember back then, we were hearing news of this virus in China, and there really wasn't a whole lot of concern for us as we were still planning our teams. We were starting to listen to it more, but it didn't seem like it was going to become a global thing that was going to affect GHO so profoundly. And so I remember watching that very closely in the beginning, and we were monitoring the CDC recommendations. Um, And as we got closer to the launch of our March teams, which is our biggest month of the year, GHO plans 10 trips just in March because we really like to encourage and um, disciple our students. So a lot of the medical students and pre-med students and nursing and all the other specialties can come with us. So we have a lot of teams that month. So we had a lot going on preparing for all those teams, and that's a lot of flights and all of that to coordinate. So as we're getting closer to launch date of those, we started hearing more and more about this COVID virus. And daily, Ron, you and I were looking at the CDC recommendations and actually encouraged initially, because initially the only flights that uh, they were uh, suggesting you not take or that were being limited were from China, South Korea, and Italy. So we launched our first two teams in March, as we're hearing more and more about that, but CDC is still just concerned about that area of the globe. So we launched two teams to Nicaragua and Guatemala. Yeah, things were changing, it seemed, daily uh, back then, and I was just actually reviewing some of my notes from uh, communications versus texting and WhatsApp. And I noticed that uh, one of the big ones on our radar initially was the team I was going to be involved with, with Dave Maddy in the University of Louisville, where he always takes a large entourage of dental students and dentists. And, uh, of course, as you mentioned, we had a lot of students involved in the month of March, and uh, we were particularly concerned about what the universities were going to be saying. And so I remember we were due to take off March 14th, And as you said, we had two teams on the field in Nicaragua and Guatemala at the time. Dr. Maddy was uh, calling and texting regularly, and finally he said, uh, I think they're going to make a decision, and I'm going to know something. And that was on March 11th when he got the word that the University of Louisville said all international travel is stopped. And so that was a Wednesday, and we were due to fly out Saturday, and that kind of started really a snowball effect, and you remember what happened from there. Yeah, we canceled the remaining eight teams in March, which was really devastating for us because uh, we were just so excited about those teams. They were filled well, and people were excited about it. And at the same time we're canceling all these teams, we still had two teams in country, both in Nicaragua and Guatemala. So they were able to get home without any difficulty. There was no mandatory quarantine, them coming back in the country, although we did have some concern with our Guatemala team. We had one physician on there who came back uh, 
the day they left, she wasn't feeling real well, but didn't have any specific symptoms, and then developed a cough and cold on Monday, the day after they got back. So she went to her doctor that day, had a flu test, because back then flu was still around. This was negative, but then the next day she was feeling even worse. So she did go in and get COVID tested. In the meantime, we had her entire team of 31 people doing a, a home quarantine for themselves. And so we were trying to update them and get them the word of the result of that as quickly as possible. I was involved in the communications with that team. The team leader, Harold, handled it extremely well. But uh, that COVID test back then, it took eight days for her test result to come back, and it did end up negative. So in that meantime, when that week we were waiting, none of the other team was getting sick. So as the days went on, we were pretty sure it wasn't going to be COVID, um, with as infectious as they were saying it was. But we still had that week of a team of 31 quarantining at home until we knew for sure. That uh, just began, though, the series of events that then became to describe our normal, which we weren't used to any of that, obviously, and as you mentioned, uh, you know, we had to cancel those March teams, and then it started the snowball effect. April teams got canceled, and month by month we were uh, trying to respond. Yeah, initially the reporting on COVID was very confusing too, and it still is <laughs> at times. But, you know, the reportings were very high death rates from it. Um, we were being told, you know, wear a mask. No, don't wear a mask. Um, you can go out, but don't go out unless you have to. So it was confusing and hard to instruct our teams, um, ourselves, our families. I think everyone in the country went through that phase of it. But the quarantine was initiated you know, for high-risk areas. And then eventually it was a pandemic and it was all over the world. I tell you, all of our lives radically changed there in uh, the month of March. Already there were people coming out saying, why did I buy a 2020 planner? Because nothing's going according to plan. And sadly, over the coming months, GHO became good at something it had never done before, and that was cancel team after team after team and it really got discouraging at times because the heart of what we do is going out and being with people and and treating them not only physically but also offering them spiritual hope and and eternal hope and uh, to not be able to do that was a Something that took a great adjustment for us, didn't it, Trish? It sure did, and it was intentional for both of us to really try and encourage our team leaders, the team members on trips that were canceled, that even though we're not going, Christ is still there with them. Christ is still reaching them, just not through GHO. And the other thing is to remember for all of us that this is our chance to be the salt and the light in our hometown in our families and with the people we live and work with every day and with our friends to encourage us all to remember that we can still be a shining light for Christ, even in quarantine in our own home, just by encouraging and supporting others. So we really began to focus on that and our communications with our team leaders were very regular at that time as we were informing them of cancellation after cancellation. So it wasn't until the end of May that we began to watch as things slowly started reopening in the U.S. And you get that glimmer of hope of a light at the end of the tunnel as things started to reopen. Of course, you are cautious because you don't know how this reopening is going to go. And we still don't know. We're very early in that. And we are noticing uh, through these uh, different apps that are out there the progress of the COVID and uh, when it finally peaks in a given country or area of the world. And so those are all kind of over the map, literally. 
And so that's also complicated, you know, how we plan for to reopen. One of the things I wanted to include that you mentioned, Dr. Trish, was the fact that we were also able to keep communication with our national partners. And a lot of them obviously were suffering. Uh, many of them are pastors or workers or missionaries. And uh, they had people in their church, like we have here in the States, who literally uh, work today and what you get paid this week, uh, that's what you're going to feed your family with. And in many countries, what you get paid today is what you're going to feed your family with. And when those work and jobs and employment were over, there was great suffering. And so it was amazing to see how just out of more uh, Holy Spirit serendipity, uh, we had team leaders and team members who had contacts with different of our national partners in different countries. And next thing you know, love offerings are going to these people, and we're getting word back that uh, we were in solidarity with them and trying to share in their suffering and to alleviate it where possible. And, of course, just the spiritual encouragement, as you mentioned, was important to this, our national partners. And uh, some of you, I'm sure, saw some of those Zoom videos of the blessing song that went around the world and and to see that we were all kind of doing the same thing, zooming here, zooming there. But yet, uh, I think at the end of that song, it said the, the building may be closed, but the church is still alive. Amen. Yeah. I do think it has helped us to learn to be patient when God is at work, because he frequently works in areas or in ways we don't like. We would rather do it differently or be a part of it. And, you know, this, I think God is going to use tremendously opening hearts, having people searching for answers or or for eternity. Um, when they see this threat and this scare and the fear that they develop from this infection traveling the globe of what's going to happen if I get it, my family member gets it, and really wanting to know. So I do think God is at work using that. Um, And I think once we are finally able to relaunch and go back into a country where they have been suffering and fearful and able to offer the love of Christ and just even a tiny bit of physical help or relief is going to really open them up to hearing the gospel message. So I try and focus on that sometimes when I get discouraged that God is always at work even when we can't see him or aren't able to be there. And you're right, it has been hard for us because we are seeing such a 30,000-foot view of this, having connections with our national partners and be able to hear from all over the world. We're starving. They're not starving here. They can't work. And it's just been painful, um, and we've tried to do what we can to help. And I think in some ways the Nicaragua crisis, which we talked about on our launch, has helped us to kind of know already we need, we're going to need to help feed them. They're not going to have money for food. And so we have had a little bit of experience already with that, with that crisis. And so I do think we've made a difference through GHO, even though we're not going right now. But as uh, people continue to contact us, both team leaders and team members, the truth is we still have more questions than we have answers. And uh, We've had a a cadre of our uh, seasoned team leaders who we've been communicating with regularly on a Zoom conference, trying to anticipate what's that going to look like when we do open up in country A, country B, country C, and what's it going to take to get on the plane? What's it going to take when we get in country? And then one of the biggest questions is when we come back, What's going to be the impact? Are we going to have to do a self-quarantine for 14 days? Is it going to be testing to enable us to go back to work? 
And I know uh, in your talking with our infectious disease doctor, uh, Rick Bowden, and other of those key leaders, uh, we got some questions answered, but there's still a lot of questions. Isn't that correct, Trish? Right. We've been working to develop a post-COVID relaunch guideline or policy. And the more I've worked on this and developed it, the more I see how difficult it is going to be to come, to go not only to come, you know, together as a team and get there, but also to come back home. And so as we initially met, you know, we ended up with way more questions than we had answers. And so working with some other people to help us um, has been wonderful. So we've gone to some of our regular GHO team leaders that are super experienced to help us with that. And like you mentioned, Rick Bowden um, with infectious disease has really been helping us with these guidelines. So there are some things we needed to look at. So the first off was guidelines for our team leaders as far as team selection. Because of course, you know, there are a high risk population and we need to consider that. And Unfortunately, we've looked at some of our teams that are planned for fall, and several of them will probably fall in the high-risk category. We have to look at things like their age, and we don't normally do that, but we have to now strategically look at their age. We need to know about comorbidities like obesity. Um, Do they have chronic disease? What are they, and how is that affecting their risk? Because we don't want to take a high-risk person and then have to deal with that in country. And if they get sick or if they get really sick, is there even a hospital nearby where they could go to if they needed it? So there's a lot of things we need to look at. And then some of those are tricky. You know, we talked about and kind of chuckled about obesity as a big risk factor. But how do you go about assessing that? You, what are you going to do? Put on the application, what's your BMI? You know, and, you know, it's not it's not black and white. And, you know, just the delicate dance of trying to sort through some of that and what can we accept as some risk is going is never risk-free even before COVID. You know, so we have to look at that and, and having some help with that with some of our other physicians like Frank and Barto, Anthony Chaplet have helped us with that. Um, and then we've had a dentist come alongside us, Phil a day to work with us too. Um, and dental is a whole nother complication with these teams because they're one of the highest risk dentists and dental hygienists. Well, they're literally in the mouth of the patient by definition of what they do. And, uh, you know, we're made keenly aware of the fact that when you talk about PPE in the dental office is very serious consideration. And it's not obviously just for the dentist, but protecting dental assistants, hygienists, people who may be cleaning instruments, uh, interpreters. That's a lot of material and a lot of equipment. And again, the risk is high. I think I shared with you, I uh, Skyped our national GHO director in Nicaragua who went to a dentist just not uh, many days ago, and he had a serious dental problem. And he said the dentist kind of put him in a plastic box, and uh, there were two holes in the side where she put her hands through, and he thought he was in another planet in another century. Uh, Didn't know, he the, say the dentist looked like an astronaut coming in? Exactly. With all? <laughs> uh, so it's it's a new world we're living in, in a new time, and. Uh, It doesn't look likely unless a dentist could guarantee that they could provide all the PPE that was necessary that we'll consider a dentist at least on this calendar year till we figure out some of these things. But we also know we have very creative and resourceful dentists who've always made a sacrifice when they go on a trip. And so uh, we want to work carefully with them, be wise, and the Lord will hopefully make it very clear to us. I know he will when we can engage our dentists back on our teams as well. 
Right. And I think the thing to remember is this is not going to last forever. COVID is sweeping the nation right now, but there will be a vaccine developed. There will be treatments that we find that are appropriate. So it's not forever, but we still need to be cautious while we're waiting on those things. But that doesn't mean we need to stay grounded the entire time we're waiting either. So we're hopeful that we'll be able to get back out there soon. Um, Ron, you're the one that suggested we look at and talk about some guidelines for our national partners, too, because it's not going to be clinic as usual or they advertise it to their entire village and day one of clinic there's three or four hundred people there waiting to be seen we're not going to be able to do it like we used to if we think about who and what jho does you could say jho is everything anti-covid protocol because as you say we invite groups to come and they're large groups and large waiting rooms and people milling around and you know, the whole family comes in for a consult. And so uh, the whole social distancing and JHO in its uh, original sense are really just opposites in every way. But uh, we've had some Middle East countries that you and I have talked about where for a variety of reasons, and a lot of it is around security, where they invite people to come in in the morning or the afternoon from a certain area they come. And so they're actually coming a few at a time. And it seems like that may become a model more that we're going to be looking at that our national partners invite certain populations to come. And it won't be quite by appointment, but it'll be heading in that direction to where we will have to, again, by definition, see less patients. But uh, we want to be there. Uh, We've even had, you know, recommendations that maybe we go to the telemedicine thing. And I remember you were very adamant about the fact that the heart of GHO is relationships, and it's face-to-face. It's holding a hand. It's putting an arm around someone's shoulder. It's praying with them. It's listening to them. And, of course, in, in the medical sense, it's a physical exam, and it's listening and palpating and touching and, and empathizing. And it's like telemedicine obviously has a place and has even had a huge place now with this, but we're longing for the day we can go back and be face-to-face and be there in presence and in person, uh, yes, with uh, appropriate measures taken to ensure everyone's safety. But uh, we're in a new era now, and we're trying to figure that out. Right. I really think it's essential, though, for our teams, the heart of our teams is meeting people where they are, you know, not through a computer screen, but where they're at, both physically and spiritually. I was listening to a Ravi Zacharias podcast the other day, and he talked about when you're talking to someone and witnessing and sharing with them, you need to be able to see the color of their eyes, to have that connection, to have that personal experience with them, to be able to relate to Jesus Christ and how he's affected your life and why you want them to know about him. So I really think for now we're not considering telemedicine type clinics for us, and we're just waiting for the Lord to open up the door. And we have been prayerful about that. I mean, I'm always on all of my teams prayerful about the Lord to bring to our clinic who he wants us to see. No more and no less. So we don't want to miss anyone that he wants us to see, but we don't want to try and see a hundred more than he intends for us to see either. So he's aware of this. He knew this was coming long before us. So we're just going to trust him with this and that he will bring the patients he wants us to care for when we finally get to launch to our clinic, just like we have before. It's just going to look like different numbers. And of course, uh, we'll be working obviously in concert with airline companies, and they're going to have certain requirements as far as international travel. Uh, We know our host country will have requirements, and uh, 
we were talking about uh, the country of Nicaragua. I thought they would open up their airport in June. Well, now it's been moved to July, but one of those things that we saw was that you would need to present a test showing you had tested negative for COVID-19 before they let you on the plane. So we're working through some of those things. Some of these actually have a sense of humor to them. Uh, one of our North Africa partners, uh, and, you know, we use general terms to protect everyone, but that doesn't mean they've lost their sense of humor. He said, well, I have good news for you, Ron. Our country is opening up the 10th. He said the bad news is we don't know which month that is. <laughs> uh, we don't know if it's June, July, August, September, but we know we're opening up on day 10. <laughs> and so it is going to look different, and we want to protect our national partners. We want to protect our patients. And, of course, uh, of all things, one of the hottest countries in the world for COVID is the U.S. of A. So is everybody going to want people from America coming to their country considering you know, how we have been hammered with it? But uh, again, God has this. He's in control and the doors are going to open and we're going to see green lights and we're going to walk through. Yeah, that's been one of our concerns all along is not only, you know, are we going to be able to keep our team safe? Are they going to be healthy? But we don't want to bring in a sick team to them. We want to make sure we're not putting our national partner and their community at risk by exposing them to COVID. So we've talked about all these issues, and we're really right now, as we watch the slow reopening of the U.S., we really need to wait and watch the slow reopening of airlines, because they're going to have specific criteria we'll need to watch, and countries will have specific criteria of what they will require. So some countries are starting to open, but they require a 14-day quarantine once you arrive before you can even do the mission. So for us, that's a closed country. We just can't go until we can go serve and come home and not have all those fears or concerns. So there is a lot to consider to reopening. Um, one of the things we've talked about is what do we do if someone gets sick in country? You know, what if they test positive on day two or three of our clinic? Then they're going to need to quarantine for 14 days. Will our national partners be willing to help host them? Are we going to have to find a hotel, save food for them? We're going to need someone there to help them with interpretation as they need it. So it gets complicated the more you think through the logistics of it, which is what GHO does. That is our role on our missions. Our staff is all the logistics are cared for. So when our team members sign up, all they have to do is get themselves to the airport and everything after that is pretty much taken care of for them. So we have a lot to continue to work through. I think some of this is just time waiting to see what happens as countries open up. One thing I want to put into a little bit of a historical perspective and maybe kind of our segue as we wind down our podcast today, but some of you will remember when we had the Singles Commission uh, as a part of the CMDA group, and they, back in the day, always uh, took on a team or two each year, and, and those people got involved. And so we had a team slated to go to Honduras on September 22nd of 2001. That was 11 days after 9-11. And uh, I think we had a team of about 20, 22, and they were all single except me. And uh, only one of them felt not led to go. Of course, we went through empty airports getting there. But when the people saw a team from the United States show up in their country to do a medical team 11 days after the towers came down, they didn't stop crying and saying, thank you for coming when you were still burying your dead and still putting out fires. And that is the call of God on all of our lives. And it doesn't matter what your home country is. 
It is to go and love others, serve others, and that means a sacrifice. And not that we go foolishly, but remember this place is not our home, and we're trying to get everybody ready for heaven and as many people from tribes, tongues, nation, and people groups around that throne. And so COVID is going to give us a new challenge, and we want to do it well. Indeed, but it's such a blessing, like you said, to get there and be able to serve in such a way. I mean, if you are at all interested in medical missions, there's no greater thing you can do with your life than give it a try and see how it will transform your heart. Well, I have some scriptures that I think would be fitting to close with, and we shared some of these in a CMDA chapel recently uh, because the scripture certainly has been a great, great source of comfort, inspiration, and encouragement to all of us during these days. And again, this is a universal language of the Bible. And so uh, a couple passages I'd like to share with you. The first one has actually been, been my life's verse from Isaiah 26.3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And a passage from Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And a great passage most of you, I'm sure, have memorized, know from Jeremiah 29, 11, 12, and 13, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And finally, from the New Testament, Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a really good word and helpful. And just to close with this, GHO loves to go and serve. At the heart of CMDA is our going and serving. And engraved at one of our fireplaces, and is my life verse, is Luke 9-2. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So we know we're gonna be out there again. We know you'll be hearing, let's go GHO, one day soon. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.